Hello, hello. Welcome to Whiskey and Weird. Where we drink hello whiskey. We get a little weird, talk a little weird, come from a place of weird. Um, those of you who are listening in uh, via your favorite podcast app, um, in case you aren't aware, I actually record this live, live streaming on Facebook on Wednesday nights. Um, so if you're interested, you can find me on Facebook um, and watch it live if you want and follow my page there. Um, so I, I do that and um, you can hear me in the background here. I'm trying to light my Palo Santo. I like to bless my space a little bit. One of the many weird things about me. Um, but uh, my lighter, of course, is not working. Oh, there it goes. Maybe. Maybe. Um, so hopefully we've got some people coming on in. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Whiskey and Weird. I'm trying to bless my space here, but my, uh, my lighter is not working. That figures. Oh, there it goes a little bit. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see if I can get this to work. I just bless my space so that things go well. Um, I always believe in the uh, the power of a little bit of good mojo. That's all. Nothing nothing crazy around here. A little sage too, so that all the energy up in this space is good stuff. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad that you are here, folks. I see a few people chiming in. Hi, Tracy. <laughs> I do weird stuff, right, Tracy? She says, I like that you sang maybe. Um, so, blessing my space, I think, is important. I think we should bless our space, bless our interactions with people all the time. I've gotten into the habit of that. And I'm telling you, it makes a big a big difference. So welcome you guys. Chime in and say hi. So um, I know you're here. Hi Angelique. Um, my friend Angelique. That's a really great segue Angelique. Thank you. So Angelique's my friend and um, um, I help, uh, help her out and her family out a little bit. And um, she's the one who's given me some great um, some great whiskey. Remember that whiskey that um, I tried last week and I, I couldn't, I mean, it was amazing. So thank you, Angelique. It was like the smoothest stuff I've ever had and probably will ever have unless I make some new friends, um, <laughs> like more friends who like to drink really great whiskey. Um, hi, Sean. Hi, Maddie. Uh, so anyway, speaking of Angelique, so she, um, one of these days I, t I mentioned I helped out her family and, uh, she had paid me and she sent me this extra $30 and I, I messaged her really quick and I said, I said, Angelique, you paid me extra. And she said, hey, that's, um, thanks, Angelique. I'll take more of that whiskey. Um, but she, her husband, Ryan, likes to drink Eagle Rare. And she said, next time, um, next time you're at, I'll get to that in a minute, Sean. Sean asked me, are you tasting it correctly? And I'll get to that in just a minute. Um, but so she, she said, get yourself some Eagle Rare. Her husband, Ryan, likes it. And um, so today I was heading to the grocery store after being um, with hanging out with her and her family. And, uh, and it was on sale. She told me it probably would go on sale. So I bought it. I bought some Eagle Rare for tonight. 
And what was the cool thing about that is that one, of course, the bald eagle is our nation's um, bird, you know, which was um, close to extinction for a number of years. So I thought it kind of interesting with the timing of everything in our country right now. But even more so, the synchronicity of the fact that this morning I was out driving on a road right by my house and there was a bald eagle, not even maybe 20, 30 yards above my head, flying up the street with me. And I was like, oh, this is really awesome. So I don't know. I'm totally down with synchronicities. And I'm hoping, um, actually, my good friend Pete Wren, when I told him about that, he... um, you know, he said, hey, maybe it's a good omen for what's going on in your your um, country right now. So, you know, I'm not going to get into what a good omen would be for me because I don't like want to make this a political place. But um, but anyway, I'm drinking Eagle Rare. It's a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. And I'm not going to lie. I started this an hour ago because I was ready. So I've been drinking it for a little bit um, uh, right out of the gate. <laughs> You know me, I like to smell it. And going back to Sean asking me if I had tasted it correctly. So he um, he sent me a video here on, on at Whiskey and Weird on Messenger and uh, a, a video of this gentleman. And I have to use that word because this guy is nothing but a gentleman that I need to learn more about because clearly he's a big dude in the whiskey world. His name is Richard Patterson. And it was all about how to taste whiskey. And this was coming from a guy who clearly knows how to taste whiskey. So I will share this video and a couple others that I found um, with you guys on the page afterwards. Um, Sean says he's got gold bar whiskey. Love that. Anyone else drinking whiskey tonight? I'm assuming, Angelique, you're drinking what we what you shared with me last week because that was amazing. Um, so, so what I learned from this video, Sean, because you asked is of course you're supposed to smell it, right? So which I, you know, I kind of knew because you do the same thing with um with most alcohols, especially um wines, beers, even and whiskeys. And so, but what he kind of suggested was that you smell it um out of each nostril. Um kind of take it in, take it in, and then with both. And he mentioned that if you if your eyes start to burn or water, then you're being a little too aggressive with your um, a little too aggressive with your with your uh, smelling. So I don't think I'm an aggressive sniffer. Actually, it's usually as I said, it's the way I hope to. Um, uh, it's the way I hope to. I usually like to to get a real feel for the taste of it, right? So Lily's not drinking anything because she's still at work. That's probably a good choice, Lily, but I wish you weren't at work. Um, so Don Burns, you want to learn how to taste whiskey. Here we go. So you smell it. One in each nostril. I It's not really going well for me right now because I still smell Palo Santo and sage in my little space right here, but I know now how to do it. So I will say that their Eagle Rare is, was really sweet. And my son, who's underage, so he, he wasn't drinking it, but he likes to smell it too. And he he was really caught and taken by how sweet it tastes. Okay, so then the next step is Mr. Patterson says you take it at some in your mouth um, and you hold it there in the middle of your tongue. Hmm. All right. So and the reason for that, right, is because... Um, because you can get all of your, you get a minute to let it rest on your tongue 
And you know, all of the taste buds on your tongue are for different kinds of tastes. I can't remember which is which, um, but you know, you have bitter and salty and sweet. And so different parts of your tongue pick up those, those different things. Um, Don, Don Burns is an aggressive sniffer. I will drink to that Don Burns. I love that. Who else is an aggressive sniffer? Go for it. Sniff. Um, so yeah, when you do that, while like for me, while I'm holding it in my mouth, I can't really taste it yet. But once I swallow it, those taste the taste is is actually lingering on my tongue a little bit. So definitely a sweetness to this, and you really get the oakiness. Um, there's a lot of oakiness in this. Um, but yeah, I, I I love it. It's really smooth. So thank you to uh, Angelique and Ryan. Um, you know, I I prefer Scotch, right? But I am finding. That there are some some bourbons out there. I did try bu a bullet. I can't remember which one it was. A bullet bur bourbon. Um, it's a Kentucky bourbon. I did not like that at all. I I ha I it like it was painful. So it, clearly there are good ones and there are bad ones. Um, single malt Scotch still at the top of my list, but this is good stuff. Um, and now I have a great full bottle of it. So, um, let me know what you're drinking. Don, what are you drinking tonight? Um, you're usually got something, right? So, and if you, you know, all my local friends, you know, when this, this whole social distancing thing ends, we should have a whiskey and weird gathering somewhere. Um, uh, if you're up for that, give me some likes or some comments. Cause I think that would be, be really fun. So anyway, Good stuff. Uh, Sean, thank you for, um, for that video. And I don't know, excuse me. <laughs> oh, I'm burpy. Um, Sean, I don't know if you, I think you might have left a couple, a couple episodes ago. I mentioned you cause I was thinking it'd be kind of fun since you're, you, you seem to know a little bit about whiskey and like tasting. So maybe we could have an episode where we are, um, you know, tasting some different, some different whiskeys together or something. Um, I'll have to, we'll have to get like, like three to five different ones that we can both have on hand and we can try them together. But I thought that'd be kind of fun. I had so much fun last week with my friend Pete on that I, I want to find ways to bring people in. And you know what? It doesn't have to be some major expert, really. I mean, I just think it's fun to have the, you know, the, the conversation and the interaction and those different thoughts about different things that people like to talk about. So let me know what you think about that, Sean. Um, maybe you aren't interested in getting on here with me and talking about whiskey and I'm okay with that. I would not have my feelings hurt, but good. Sean says he's game. So we'll have to chat about that and figure out a time. Um, but yeah, if you're up for a little whiskey and weird outing when we're when we are safe to go um cavorting again, let me know because um I think that would be really fun. Um and uh I will not be um responsible for you, of course. You come at your own um risk if we do that together. So, um anyway, I'm going to take another sip. Mm. That's good stuff. So, Anyway, so that's the whiskey tonight. Eagle Rare, if you just hopped on, I'm drinking Eagle, Eagle Rare Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. You might want to replay because I talked a little bit about how to taste it because I'm learning. Now I know. And thank you to Sean. Um, that was really helpful to me. So you might have seen in my little description for, um, for today, uh, 
that I want to talk about the notion of fear. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of, it c- came up for me really, I think, because, um, um, hi Lisa, I miss you too. Uh, it came up for me just because, you know, we have this election going on and, um, don't worry, I'm not going to get political, but I think, um, I think that, uh, you know, there's so much fear around it. Like, like some of it's smart fear, right? Some of it's not. There's a lot of incredibly irrational fear. Um, and I happen to be doing some of my own work right now. I'm, I'm in a class. It's basically an ascension training class. Um, and I can talk more about that a different time. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm learning about myself. I'm trying to um, develop personally and spiritually. And, and, you know, one of the exercises is to, um, to acknowledge your triggers, like to notice your triggers. Like I have to journal when something really bugs me is to write it down and, and, um, we get to celebrate like the fact that I catch myself in a trigger, I get to go, Oh yeah, I caught myself in a trigger. And, um, and the more I do it, the, the less I am triggered by certain things. Right. And so the whole point of this is to get down to, um, what is referred to as like, um, like your shadow, you know, your shadow self, that, that deep, dark, part of you that kind of is the root of everything that doesn't go well for you. Um, and a lot of it comes, you know, this, this, this aspect of fear is a very existential kind of look at it, um, which I will get to more, more in a bit, but just talking about fear and how much it affects our lives in so many ways and how it, 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 it comes to us in, um, in different levels and our level of awareness. So, you know, I, th- I think about a lot of things in terms of development. Of course, I'm a teacher, right? So, um, and particularly I teach young, you know, early, the early years. And so there's a lot of growth and development that happens in that time. And um, so a lot of things when I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how development plays out in all different aspects and levels of um, our, our, our humanness and our development, um, even in terms of like our country. Okay, so, so I think about the, our country, the United States of America, and I think about this in, in like this weird human personified thing where the United States is the, the cool kid the one that gets all the things and gives all the things and everybody loves, but everybody hates at the same time, right? And also the facade is not quite a representation of what the inner self, right? So I'd say, uh, especially these past four years, we've seen that. So I think about everything and equate it to kind of how development and social interaction and um, micro and macro cultures and stuff work, okay? So just my weird brain, just keep up with me here if you can. Um, And please comment. If anything I says sparks a question or whatever, please ask. Um, comment, chime in here, here, if you know what I'm saying, or you can also say, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, Lauren, you are weird. That's okay, too, because that in many ways is quite affirming to me, right? Um, So anyway, just getting back to fear. So first, I was thinking about this stuff that I've been thinking about is, um, is um, phobias, right? And Tracy, I see your comment, and I'm going to get to that in just a minute. 
phobias. So a lot of times when people say, and I think this has come up in the show or in on the um, Whiskey and Weird page, like, what are you afraid of, right? Because we did, you know, stuff uh, um, during Halloween month in October around ghosts and things like that. Um, but what are you afraid of? And of course, phobias are very, very different. I mean, phobias are kind of these irrational fears that manifest on a really physical, physiological um, um, level. Hi, Jacqueline. Of course, you get me. You're my sister. <laughs> um, so, you know, our phobias, we are, 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 are different. And, um, but I, I don't know about you guys, but I often think about where does that come from? So I've mentioned before that I have a phobia of heights it's actually gotten worse and worse as I get older. And, and an example of how this phobia can play out. Um, my family and I were on a camping trip at Mount, Mount St. Helens. And um, one of the days that they were, we were there, we decided to drive up to the, the top where there's one of these lookouts. Well, the, the road up there is really narrow and it's really, um, it's, it's really steep. Still, many of the trees up there are blown over and not a lot of stuff has grown. I mean, there's a lot of regrowth, but not everywhere. If you've, if you've never been to Mount St. Helens, I, I suggest you go. It's a really fascinating um, experience to go there. and very eerie in a lot of ways. But anyway, so so the, the perception of, of how high up was really evident to me. And this was probably the, the most pronounced like phobic experience I've ever had. I was overcome with this irrational fear that I was literally going to roll out of the car and go over the edge of the of the cliff. I, it wasn't even that the car was going to go over. And I was holding on to the, the console of the car for dear life. I had my eyes closed and I'm trying to think of and I was terrified like I it's never been that pronounced for me but there was nothing I could do about it it came on like that there was nothing I could do about it um and I I a lot of times like going over bridges and things like that I am able to kind of train my brain a little bit to focus on 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 the other not not to focus too much on that but um so we have phobias but phobias are 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 really different than the than the fear that I'm trying to to get to the heart of um but but the interesting thing, kind of these weird thoughts that I've had about fear is that I'm the other thing that I'm really afraid of is the open ocean. Um, and I've never I've never been swimming in the open ocean. Obviously, I wouldn't choose to do that. Right. Um, but I I have I just don't want to. It terrifies me. It makes this is the thing I can think about climbing mountains, swimming in open water and my palms start to sweat and my, my heart starts to race and I get that anxious feeling in my gut. And, um, so open water, you're never going to throw, you know, some people like to go out on their sailboats out into the ocean and jump out and swim. There's no way in friggin' hell I would ever do that. Um, unless it was to save my kids' lives. That's the only reason I would do anything like jumping out of airplanes only if it meant I would save my kids' lives. But, um, and even then it would be hard. You'd have to push me. Um, so I, anyway, talking about this, my mom always tells me that my grandfather um, shared the same phobias with me. So that, you know, gets my gears, gears turning, um, you know, like, wow, that's interesting. So how, how do phobias play out? Is it genetic memory? 
um, which is a really intriguing thought. Um, I also heard one time someone mentioned the idea that of, of past lives. So if you if you believe in past lives, and I, I think I've mentioned before that I do, um, I I don't really know exactly what I believe or what it looks like, but I don't believe that we are here on this earth just one time or even in other realms. We that's another topic. But anyway, when it comes to past lives, this person's theory was that um so another theory is that we we journey through our lives with the same kind of group of people. So, you know, um your your my sister Kelly and I, for instance, we have this strong feeling that we were maybe twins or something in a past life or we were we were really solidly connected because we we can it, it kind of resonates for us now. Or, you know, maybe, you know, you were the mother of your um well, I'm going to say your husband, you might feel that way anyway. But you know what I'm saying, like someone who was in your life as one certain person now um, could have been someone different. But the but the fact remains that you were you well, it's not a fact, but the fact of this particular belief system is that you people, we move through uh, our lives, um, encountering this similar people, and some of them come and go and some of them are solid parts of our, our, of our life. Um, but to that end, that perhaps my grandfather, my grandfather's soul, this is my um, paternal or my maternal grandfather, um, who I never really knew, but maybe our souls happen to, to be together at some other times where maybe one, we died, you know, in a in a sinking ship, um, or um, felt, you know, died in a, from a fall, you know, something, but we happen to go through it together. And so that's why we have that similar phobia. So just some really weird kind of thoughts that go through my brain. And I, I, I like to be open. Like I'm, I, my ideas about what I solidly believe in, um, they kind of shift and ebb and flow, but I like to stay open to this stuff. I think it's important. And I think that, um, that's kind of where where the fear piece comes in too because most people that i encounter avoid thinking about stuff like this because of fear because it's kind of scary to think about um it's easier to stick w- with what we've been taught um and and fear fear just plays out so distinctly in our lives i'm going to take a minute and i'm going to kind of look at um some of the the comments um up here so so Don, we keep coming back to get it to get it right. I I think yeah, I think we have lessons we're meant to learn in each life. Um Tracy says she's had recurring dreams about living in the 1800s. I think that's really fascinating. I wonder if you journal those Tracy at all or if you if you ever write down in, any specifics about that. And Sean says um my father has an extreme fear of heights but was a test pilot for the Air Force for 20 years. When he's in control in the plane, he's fine. He even get, he even gets tense when he's a passenger. So you know what, my dad Sean, um, he flew F fours for the Air Force, and um, he doesn't really like. I don't know if it's heights so much, but he doesn't like roller coasters and stuff. But it's the same thing, you know, when you're in a plane and you have more control over what's happening for them. So it's 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 interesting how that plays out. Um, um, Angelique says being vulnerable can take bravery, right? Absolutely. All of this plays together. You can't be brave if you don't have a little bit of fear. Um, and fear is absolutely necessary to our growth and development. But 
The whole point is we can't cut and run because we're afraid, which is what happens a lot to people. Um, Angelique and I, um, actually just this afternoon, we're having a conversation about fear. And um, we were we chatted about the, uh, you know, the whole um, primal response that we have to fear and that our brains are wired to respond to something that is threatening our safety. Um, so that's how the cavemen knew, you know, the saber toothed tiger was coming and they responded, you know, they, they probably, um, probably ran away. Right. So it's fight, flight or freeze. Um, and so we were just talking about a little bit how that plays out for us, but I had, I made the point that if like our response to that is, is built upon our understanding and awareness of the threat itself. And so, you know, through through generations, right, something like that, you know, you live in, a, in an era where there are mammoth elephants or, um, you know, I don't know how dangerous they were, but they were huge. They could trample you and they definitely looked for them for food and things, right? And then there were, you know, uh, the tigers. That's what I'm thinking of. I don't know what else was, was, was back then, but... Um, but they they knew that okay this was something we needed to run from or this is something we needed to stand up and fight or this is something we needed to freeze um and even today like when we think about certain kinds of animals um people who really get into you know do a lot of camping and things tend to learn more about that like what kind of bear do you actually get bigger with or what kind of bear do you 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 get smaller with and what when do you fight and and what animals um is it better to back away from so those kinds of things those really more kind of more explicit things that we can be afraid of more explicit threats to our safety um we learn in time how to to deal deal with them as we need but I guess what I I really want to get at the heart of is like the implicit notion of fear. And I think this is the fear that Angelique mentions in terms of vulnerability. Um, and, you know, this has been something for me really working on and how learning and understanding the significance of vulnerability and how we avoid it. We avoided it at all costs, but it's really so necessary it's so necessary to embrace the fear and move forward in order to to grow and to change and to make change in the world right so um um sorry i just got distracted i'm looking at sean's sean's uh comment that he also likes um he likes roller coasters and he, he likes the rush um, it's interesting that you mention um, the increase of the fear. So I, so he says that sometimes he likes to face his fear, but, but it, um, but it sometimes increases his fear. Well, I, I don't think fear ever goes away. That it doesn't ever go away. Um, I, you know, this, this here is a huge example for me. Like I am. I'm trying to show up. Basically, what I'm uncovering is that my biggest shadow that has prevented me from a lot of things that I might have, should have, could have done is my, is my unworthiness, like is a lack of true self-worth. And um, so this is really, this whole whiskey and weird and some of the other things that I'm doing are all an exercise and vulnerability for me. Um, And I know some people might be like, 
what, Lauren, you know, you show up, you're there. Um, but I'm, I'm a fighter. As Angelique and I were saying earlier today, we're both fighters. We stand up, we put, you know, put up the fists, whatever. And we, and we work through it and do it, um, and do what needs to be done. Um, and yes, I am a natural, uh, nurturer too. So I I will step to the front to protect the people behind me. Um, oftentimes, you know, putting my own self at risk. Um, but, um, but it's the vulnerability that that's when we start learning about ourselves. And, and when we talk about the rush, Sean, there's no better rush than to be like, oh my gosh, I just did that. Like that was the coolest thing ever. And, um, and I'm going to do it again because every time I do, I learn something more about myself. Right. So that's where that vulnerability comes into play and, and challenging and seeing those fears. And, um, we are in such a habit, I think, especially in this country and, and such a habit of avoiding what we don't understand. Um, consequently, um, consequently what what we are afraid of if we don't understand it then we become afraid and of course I think that you can see a lot of that right now playing out in the politics of our country right um and how people are responding to um to the you know COVID-19 like there's a lot of fear around that and then it's you know talking about the difference between irrational fears phobias and then these kinds of fears, but these fears become irrational. Our responses to them become irrational because we're not taking the the step to kind of view them head on, to learn more, to understand how to respond to this particular threat in a more rational way. So fear, I mean, it's just, it's playing out everywhere, everywhere around us all, all the time. Um, and it, it prevents learning, uh, it prevents growth, it prevents um, many of us from achieving things that we're perfectly capable of of achieving. Um, Sean mentioned some of the greatest speakers, I'm going to put this up on the board, some of the greatest speakers have the biggest fear of speaking. Absolutely. And you know what, I think that's what makes them good good speakers because you get the adrenaline rush and you go out there and when when we are um fearful when fear strikes everything about us our focus our clarity becomes really really peaked um sometimes tunnel vision I mean, uh, this is a, an interesting um thing to consider so my son and I are are taking um well, it's kind of like, it's like self-defense class. I mean, ultimately we could take up boxing or some sort of, of fighting. So, but the first element of it with this trainer that we're working in is about self-preservation. So working on, um, how do I, how do I, how do I protect myself if something were to happen to me? And, um, and mentioned this with Angelique earlier today that, you know, when we do these things, we kind of train our brain in those responses so that, you know, I feel like if I was out, you know, downtown Seattle, given one of my ghost tours or whatever, and someone threatened me, I'm feeling like I have some tools that I can really use with that to protect myself from that person. And those things can become second nature to us, so we know how to how to immediately react. I mentioned that I am a fighter, so I think if I would probably kick and scream and fight at any regardless because that's just who I am and how i how I show up for things um, um and so 
Uh, Tracy says, I'm a hot mess when speaking publicly. Everyone knows not to ask me. Well, and you know, there's a, there's, there's different kinds of fear, right? I mean, if we, if you're afraid though, the more you learn, if it's something you want to do, the more you learn about it, there are things to learn to make public speaking easier. And, um, some of us will seek that out and some of us won't, um, uh, I, my kids went to a school uh, and they did this really, really great speech program. And from the, from kindergarten on every year, they had to get up at different levels as they got older. It got harder and harder. And these kids were dynamos. And some of them were clearly going to be natural speakers and some of them weren't. But they all understood how to do it and what was important so that even if they had to just get up in front of a work meeting, they could do that. Um and though there were lots of kids that were really great at it, but had to work through that fear, that fear too. And and we're not all meant to be public speakers, right? Um, Don says preparation is key to counteract fear. Absolutely, that's it. And it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't eliminate fear, right? It just helps us to draw on. So the minute that fear kicks into place, we know fight, flight, or freeze. And if our brain has learned a little bit about what this threat is, that's where it's going to draw on. It's going to come up with the information we need for this particular situation. If we don't take the time to learn more about something that we're afraid of, the less we understand and and the more there is to be afraid, right? I mean, it's even the same thing with... um, with the, the ghost hunting, I mean, a lot of people are like, how do you do that? How do you live in a house? And well, I, I've taken, taken a very scientific approach to what it is, and it's just energy, right? So it doesn't mean that there aren't times when I've been really terrified or that um, I don't get startled sometimes by things, but my son startles me. Like, we do that to each other on purpose, and he scares the shit out of me sometimes, Um because I don't know he's hiding behind the door in in my bedroom when I walk in. Um so but so it's I think it's important. Fear doesn't go away. People don't get rid of their fear. Um I think I've mentioned um uh oh gosh, I to- I'm totally blanking. Um the the guy who climbed um climbed climbed the the rock face in Yosemite and I'm completely blanking. Probably too much whiskey. Um you know, he, he rock climbs all the time, but he'll say it's not that he's not, af- not afraid, but it, I think for some people you get to that point where it kind of drives you in it and he gets an adrenaline rush by the kind of focus and clarity that it gives him. And that reminds me, I totally lost track. I was talking about this training that we're doing and um, our trainer um, has, has talked a little bit about how, how um, we go kind of into tunnel vision when we are... Um, when we're when we're threatened by something, especially if we haven't um, kind of trained our brains to perceive wider. And um, it was really fascinating because he said, you know, fear causes us to do this. Um, it kind of eliminates what we're hearing. It narrows what we're seeing. Um, and, you know, a lot of times he's, he said he, and he's a cop. He's in, you know, the military. He's he has a ton, a ton of training. But he said people will barely be able to remember someone's face because all they can see, for instance, is the gun in their hand or that they're about to get punched or um, or maybe all they hear is, you know, give me your wallet. And, and, and so all these things, the way our brain works in these situations. But part of what he's teaching my son and I is how to expand our awareness in that situation so that when we are there, we don't go to that kind of 
oh my gosh, I got to look, I need to focus on this one, one moment that's happening to me that's going to feel like 25 minutes. That's really going to probably be 30 seconds, right? So we learn, we learn, as Don says, we prepare, we we're able to counteract fear. But if we're not willing to learn, we settle into that. We settle into that fear, which basically can take over everything for us and becomes these truly irrational thoughts that, um, that settle into our brains and, and cause weird decisions and, and things. And I, I think most of you can agree right now in our country where we're witnessing a lot of this on both sides of the fence. Um, you know, people just kind of fearful to this degree that's kind of, kind of crazy. Um, but it has to serve us. So here, here's, here's my thought about that. I think that if we can all collectively understand that, yeah, the world is scary. Tomorrow we don't know what's going to happen, but we can stick to right to right now. Um, it becomes less scary. And this is this is this whole notion of, um, you know, when you're in mindfulness and they say there is no moment but now. The only moment that exists is right now, this very second that's happening. And what that does when we train our brains how to do this, it, it it eliminates the fear of what's to come. It eliminates the anxiety about things that we've done in the past. And, um, and it, you know, it keeps us present now and we can focus and see what we're seeing, see what we need to see. And so we practice and we're, we're in that we're focused on now, but we're going to, we're going to broaden our perspective in this moment too, and see that, okay, this is happening over here. And I got this happening behind, behind me, but it's all happening simultaneously in this moment and I got it. I got it under control. Um, so yeah, I'm curious if you guys are still, any of you are listening in right now, like what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about, um, fear and what, what do you, um, what are you afraid of? And I don't even, you know, like what, what kind of, um, makes you, makes you weird. Like, I think that this is where I end up because I tend to, um, I do, oh, I do try to learn more about the things that make me feel uncomfortable so that maybe I can feel less, less uncomfortable. Does that make sense? And so fear, fear, it is really such an important key. But what happens, I'm waiting to see if anyone wants to chime in. But what happens is that um, it eventually when it when it overcomes us, it disallows us from from feeling joy and feeling love and just having that kind of, you know, um, general sense of of light in our lives because it's a darkness. Fear is a darkness that can, you know, envelop us. And we, we see that with people and we, we're experiencing that a lot as we kind of really are reevaluating, um, this country and, you know, what many of us believe is systemic racism, right. And, um, how we see people and how that comes from these really kind of, um, well, they're irrational, right? They're not phobias so much, but they're fears that have been nurtured in us, like as as this irrational way of thinking about other people. We don't understand. They're different than us. They look weird, um, whatever, you know, and or, you know, that person likes, you know, people of the same sex. That's weird. Why would we um, like, you know, why would be we be... Um, 
afraid of, of that and um or why why shouldn't we be afraid of that so tracy sorry tracy i want to go back tracy mentioned earlier that a fear for her is um you know getting the call getting the call about her brother who's sick and um that he has passed which is you know coming and she just mentioned that she should be the first to pass away um and you know, it's interesting about a lot of our emotions that um, they all really kind of intertwine with fear, don't they? Because, you know, you know, we're afraid to lose people. Um, um, you know, we're afraid to lose people. And so then that turns into a fear of losing them. What will we do without them? Um, and so there's a lot of feelings around those kinds of things that do get caught up I I have a fear I don't I don't want to leave my children behind um but I I try um I try to to remember that you know it's my job as their mom to provide them with the tools to be able to live without me um so that's you know I try to focus on that okay I want to leave them prepared if that could happen, because I don't know if it could happen or not, right? I don't want it to. I don't want to. I don't want my children to to have to suffer that kind of loss and grief that that Tracy's talking about. That she that we all fear and we all uh, don't anticipate in a good way. We don't. We don't want to lose the people that we love. Um, and I think I think that's a different fear too. But I think it is one that we can learn to to move through, um, differently too. And we can't avoid it. It's become a really interesting thing. Um, you know, a a lot of what helped us move through that kind of fear and that kind of grief for for forever is funerals, right? Like people as a community, someone died, everyone knew they died. We, we mourn them and then we celebrate them. But I've found, especially working with families and families with young children, People avoid it. They don't want their child to feel the loss. They don't want their child to, you know, to question all of those things. And so they just avoid it. But you know what? We have to practice. We have to practice moving through our fear and moving through our grief in order to be able to get to the other side. And the more we do it, doesn't make the pain any less and it doesn't make uh, make it go away. It might just help us get to the other side a little quicker, a little smoother each time. And I, I think I kind of equate this to, to cardiovascular health, okay? So when you start running or you take an exercise regime, it doesn't necessarily get easier. I always say you, you think of the recovery. It's the recovery time, right, that gets easier and quicker. Um, it's not how hard the workout is you can get through it, but it's, it's usually if you if you, you know, walk a mile when you first start, you, you might hurt later. It might take a while to catch your breath. But as you go through through time, it kind of feels like nothing. It's still hard work. Your body's still working. Um, and so it's the same thing. We need practice in order to, to work through our fear. We have to embrace that vulnerability. I mean, and that's a, a part of that fear. And of course, you know, there's different levels as, I, as I'm kind of trying to allude to of, of fear. Um and yeah, you know, Jacqueline says, yes, that's how we build resilience. Yeah, you know, we callous, our, callous ourselves to a certain degree, right? Like we know that this is coming. I know I have the tools. It's going to be hard, but I have to get through it 
so you know let's just let's 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 do this um Jacqueline mentioned that she she doesn't feel afraid so much as as she resists engaging um but it's still the same thing right that's just your experience of fear is to back away and that's what most people do most people won't acknowledge that what they're experiencing is fear they'll just avoid it because it it feels uncomfortable to them (laughs) things that feel uncomfortable um so you know i think i think most people would say it that same way as i don't feel afraid of this but i'm gonna back away because um it doesn't feel right doesn't feel comfortable to me and of course there are times to do that i mean it all of this is kind of confusing stuff because (laughs) And and again, this is my brain. This is my weird brain at play. And I'm not even sure that anything that I'm saying is making any sense. But um but I think it's um I think it's important to just think about stuff, like to be open to possibility. And when someone says something to you about what they think, instead of like freaking out or backing away, just go, oh that's interesting. I've never, I've never thought about it this way because, um, I'm telling you the way I think about things today, I'm almost 50. I'll be 48 in, in January. And, um, I I don't think the way I did 30 years ago and it's, and it's not, you know, it's not because people have convinced me differently. It's because I've been open to new ideas and new things and seeing things, um, in a different way. So let's see. Don says worry and anxiety are the worst. You mentioned being in the present. I have to work at that. Meditate and realize I'm okay in the now rather than worry about what could possibly go wrong while physically manifesting in anxiety. Yeah. It's hard. I'm really in the thick of that, Don. And that's a part of it. Um of I am here <laughs> right now in this space. And when it comes to vulnerability and fear, um just going, hey, there's there's not much I can do about it because I'm right here right now. So let's bring all my best tools to the forefront and um, and let's go with it. But meditation is is really helpful with that. And we're always practicing. It's always about practicing. None of us ever gets it gets it right. Um, that's um, those who who know me know my in my other other work. I am um, uh, I'm uh, an an early childhood facilitator and a parent coach. And, um, I have a practice called parenting aware and, um, I refer to our group work in, in the practice place because that's all we're ever doing. We're always practicing some new, new skills, some new information to try to ascend to a new level of understanding. Right. Um, and that's, but, and fear is a real part of that. Okay. It's, it's scary to know what comes next. Um, but we have to keep we have to keep working working at it and um, practice 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 like Jacqueline said practice is how we build resilience and you know those of us who are parents on that road we have to lead by example I think our kids I think our our kids and even when we were kiddos those first five years we still have a strong connection to what that divine source um, was like like who we are why we're here. But what happens is we get we get bombarded with all of the um, the fears that our parents have. How many of you had a fear, a fear that you thought was yours until you realized, no, it was somebody else's? So my mom is deathly afraid, deathly afraid of snakes, deathly. So every time we'd be around my mom, 
she tv like a snake would come on tv and she would oh she'd gasp you know sorry mom but you do and so that's what we learned and i for many years thought i i was terrified of snakes now i don't really like them that much i mean i don't love snakes i don't want a pet snake but i realized it wasn't a phobia it was it was energy that i brought from my mom that i decided was my own until i did did a little deeper dive now that's a really easy kind of you know explicit really uh, you know something obvious let's say but there are a lot of other fears i mean racism is all rooted in fear um you know just fear of anyone who's different than us fear of trying things new sometimes the fear of public speaking could actually just be something that we we take from our parents it's it's all energy it's an exchange of energy so i think one of the biggest things to do first is to establish like is this really my fear am i really afraid of this or is this just something that has been ingrained in me right and and you might find a lot of it's not really and and if you when you start peeling away the layers of stuff that isn't really yours gets a lot easier to start addressing the stuff that really is yours that's going to take a lot more work um so Don says it, it is irrational to worry about what hasn't happened and respond as if it has. Isn't it amazing how much time, Don, we spend thinking about how things could have gone? And who the hell cares? Like, it, what good is it going to do us to do that? But we all do it. And sometimes it's for the better. How many of you always think of the perfect thing to say after an argument, like five hours later? Oh, I should have said this. Okay, but why five hours later are we still thinking about that? Like, it's done. It's time to move on. And and that's that's what we what we do. See, Lisa loves snakes. I don't it's a texture thing for me, Lisa. I don't I don't like how they feel. So um but they don't scare me like that. Spiders, a lot of people are really afraid of spiders, but I think I think it's interesting. So Dawn says she has arachnophobia. So do you get the sweaty palms and the racy heart? I feel like like fear of spiders is something a lot of people just learned from their parents or from somebody else um, because people are kind of funny about spiders. I think spiders are fascinating. And I will say, I, I learned about spiders a lot being a preschool teacher. We we did a lot of that at a school I worked with some, um, some years ago. And uh, anyway, I learned a lot about spiders and now I understand them and I'm fascinated by them and um you know I know which ones are are a little more toxic than others and and when to be cautious right but I'm not like one of those people that squeals and runs from them um and some people do and they I mean uh and that's okay I love you you can be weird that way too um Don yeah I think if we could all stop worrying I mean, if we could focus on what was real, because we worry about things that, that haven't happened, probably won't happen, or already did happen all the time. So if, if all of us could stop worrying. But again, you mentioned it. Meditation is really good good about that. Um, and um, <laughs> yeah, lots of, lots of um, anti-spider folks on here tonight. But again, is it just that they're gross? Or do you have a real phobia, right? Like... Because a lot of people will say to me when I'm like, oh, I have a fear of heights. Oh, I, I'm scared of heights, too. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> like, I think that the key is that there are phobias and, and there, there are fears. I mean, most people have some um, 
have some sense of fear about things that could be a risk to your safety. And, you know, jumping out of an airplane, right, is a risk to your safety. So most people, even if they do get a total rush and want to do it, also have a sense of of some awareness that, hey, my chute might not open and I could actually die and might have, feel a little bit of that fear. Um, but they, you know, they, it's not the same as someone who has a phobia. I'm just, I'm just saying. So that's why it's, it's interesting to talk to people and to witness people in spiders and to see their reactions and, and be like, mm, is that a phobia or are you just being silly? Um, my sister says house centipedes that eat spiders. I had no idea. Um, never seen a house centipede. It must be a Chicago thing, Jacqueline. Um, and Tracy doesn't like recluse spiders. I don't think we have too many. Brown recluse aren't, I, I don't think they're particularly common um, where we are. Um, and Dawn, yeah, she said definitely she freaks out. She has a kind of a physiological response to a, to spiders. So yeah, I mean, those are some of the more common ones, right? I think a lot of people are afraid of heights. Um, a lot of people are afraid of, of insects or, um, or spiders, snakes, the open ocean. I don't know what, what are some other really, really common phobias? I mean, I know there are, you can be afraid, like have phobias of pretty much everything. Um, I just posted that one not too long ago. And I, it's like, when you see things coming out of holes, does anyone see that on my whiskey and weird page? And uh, I like, I don't think I have a phobia of that, but it totally grosses me out. Like I, it, ooh, it makes me like throw up a little in my mouth, but not a phobia, just gross. So, you know, thinking about these things and focusing in on them, I, I, you know, it contributes to my weirdness, but I understand myself a lot better. And like I said, I've been able to shed, shed some shit that's not mine and be able to do the real work on myself and um and shed the stuff that that really isn't going to change anything you know that like uh i think earlier Sean mentioned his dad being um a test pilot for the air force but also afraid of heights but because he was in control and and that you know that is usually that a lot of our fear comes from not being in control of things sometimes. But again, that's, that's worry. That's worry about something we can't do anything about. So we, there are things that exist within us that are rooted in deep fears, deep shadows, dark seeds, you know, that, that might be part of who we are from way back when, from past lives, from our family, from ancestors that we can address that are very real um, and we can do work around that. And what's interesting, I mentioned earlier, the work that I'm doing on noticing my triggers is that when you start doing the, that work, that other stuff really becomes um, kind of inconsequential. Like the little fears that take up so much more room in our brain somewhere sometimes become less because we're kind of taking we're, you know, we're, we're taking the energy away from that and we're replacing it where it needs to go. Um, all right. Jacqueline mentioned the centipedes says, uh, I'm gonna pull it up here so you guys can find it. They look like they're flying along the floor. I liked the first one I encountered, but stopped after looking up their benign benefits. Um, wow. I'm gonna have to look up, um, have to look that up. Yeah. I think spiders are really fascinating creatures and pretty amazing. And you know what I particularly love about spiders? Um, 
is that it's usually the women that we see. <laughs> no offense, men, but the ones building the webs, doing all of that, those are those are the women spiders. Um, so <laughs> Jacqueline's talking about these bugs and people are getting grossed out, right, Don? Um, so anyway, I I oh killed. What did you? Oh, there you go. I killed the first one I encountered. Okay, gotcha, Jacqueline. Thanks for clarifying that because I was a little confused for a second. I probably would have um, figured it out after a while. Um, but yeah, fear. Fear, it's weird. And my brain will keep going round and round. And you guys, thank you for sitting and listening to me. Um, I hope that there might have been something interesting in there that resonated with you. And if there was, like if there was anything I said that made you go, whoa, that you didn't comment on, please do. Um, you know, um, I am, my love language um, is affirmation. And um, actually, I could do a whole session of these on on what I've come to really believe the love languages really are, which isn't really about... Um, about love actually but avoiding what we're afraid of and and so so on on this final note okay so love language the rate the way you know your love language right is by how you feel in the absence the absence of it and so here's the thing I've already mentioned that my shadow is a feeling of unworthiness like I don't feel like I'm worthy of things and so when people don't come like I can stand up and speak forever in front of people and feel really good about it and have you know generally good feedback from an audience which I pick up pretty well um but if nobody says anything about it at all I will assume they all hate it because that the absence of the affirmation is terrifying to me so I I I think that the love language thing is a really interesting concept but I think it tells us more about our dysfunction than it does about what our love language is. Um, so anyway, Jacqueline says she's just bringing her weird and hot. <laughs> That's Matt back there. Um, Jacqueline says she's just bringing her weird. That's what this is all about. And Dawn says she's going to be paranoid the rest of the night. No, Dawn, because you're going to find yourself in the moment. You're going to focus and you're not going to worry about what really is never going to happen, right? So um, so don't do that. So you guys, cheers to all of you. Thank you for, um, you must drink whiskey. Thank you for hanging out with me and for interacting. This was a lot of fun. Um, if you don't already, you can find me on, um, on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter. And um, it's another place for me to interact. And I'm going to start bringing these live episodes to YouTube, too. So if you know people who aren't on um, Facebook but might be interested in watching, we'll be able to start doing that. on. Um, it'll go live on YouTube at the same time that it's live here on Facebook. Um, so, yeah, so check out Twitter, Whiskey and Weird on Twitter, Instagram, here at Facebook, and at YouTube. And... Um, yeah, thanks for checking it out. And um, if you have ideas about things you want me to ramble on about in the future, you can um, you can share. Share, let me know future topics. Or if you have something cool you want to come on and talk with me about. Um, because, you know, I think that could be a lot of fun just to have some, some conversation and um, have that kind of back and forth. So let's do that. Cheers to drinking whiskey and being weird. All right, you guys, take care. Have a great night. I'll see you next Wednesday at 7 o'clock.